Hey, welcome to the Movie Club. I'm Miro. I'm Kyle. And I'm Davinia. And today we're talking about movie F- The Fountain. I picked this wonderful thing. It's basically about three stories from the past, present, and the future about men dealing with death of a loved one. First is from the past, a conquistador in Mayan country searches for the tree of life to free his queen from the inquisitor. Then the second from the present timeline is a medical researcher working on the medicine to cure all and prevent death to save his dying wife from a brain tumor. And then the last storyline is a space traveler traveling with an aged tree encapsulated within a bubble which moves toward a dying star that's wrapped in a nebula. Shibalba, not just any dying star, Shibalba. I'm sorry. He <laughs> travels to the nebula, Shibalba. He seeks eternity with his love, which in this case is the tree. And the stories intersect in parallel, quests fail and succeed, and the whole thing is the meditation on death and how we process it. That was a good, pretty good summary. That was beautiful. Thank you. And it is a movie from 2006. Directed by Darren Aronofsky and starring big star, Hugh Jackman, right? Starring Wolverine Jackson, Jackman. (laughs) Wolverine (laughs) Wolverine Jackson. And uh, yeah, I would say I loved it. It is one of my all-time favorite movies. I can watch it over and over and over again, and I always get something new here. For example, graphics and design, the images we see with the space traveler and also elsewhere instead of cgi the director darren daranovsky chose to do visual effects for the filming by using microphotography of chemical reactions on a tiny petri dish he said that cgi would take away from the film timelessness and he wanted the film to stand the test of time which i think he succeeded enormously because the graphics and design is absolutely astonishing for me I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely no rebuttal. I'm shocked. Kyle agrees with me. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, easily could have been one of my picks too. I I also love this film. It took Jaron Aronofsky seven years to make. Can that be true? Because it only came out, I think, a couple of years after Requiem for a Dream. So, I mean, production stop and restart all the time. Yeah, but I don't think there was seven years between them. Not between them. I'm I'm telling you, production start and stop all the time. Maybe mm. he stopped and started making a requiem for a dream and then returned to the fountain. I don't usually you don't make two films at once. Can that be right? Okay. If you say it's hey, you know? If you say it's true, it's true. Do your own research, people. Mira made his research, okay? <laughs> I do my research. Even credit. And did you notice Davinia? You know what is the name of the main character in the present timeline what is tommy creo uh-huh and what does it mean in spanish Tom- oh yeah ah. yes creo it's belief belief yeah and it can also mean create exactly so mm. there is all of this symbolism in there uh, all around the place it's uh, fun to watch several times and you'll always be amazed <laughs> Yeah, and for a film about death, it actually has quite a hopeful message to it. And I think it's yeah. interesting to think about this one compared to the last movie that we watched, which was Maradentro, 
which is also about the acceptance of death to some degree. But I find this one a lot more moving and powerful personally. And I like the optimistic feeling it gives you at the end. What kind of optimistic feeling do you mean? I think this movie is up for a lot of interpretation between the three different parts. It's clear that the Conquistador stuff is her book that she's written. It's clear that he is the space traveler and that that really is the literal future and what happens. And so I don't actually see those as like two different stories, but just two different time periods with the same character. And essentially throughout the movie, he's trying to avoid the death of his loved one. And in doing so, he ends up having a lot of regrets about how he spent the last time with her, I would say. If the future is him as well, and it could be hundreds or thousands of years that have passed between those time periods, we can see that he's still, even though he's in this kind of more meditative, like there's a lot of Buddhist imagery in the future and sort of enlightenment imagery, but he still torments himself with memories of her and things that he didn't do with her or the way he handled things or the things that he was focused on. But I believe right up until the end that he still believes in going to this star, which is the underworld, that he can somehow bring her back or resurrect her. And what he realizes in the very end, in a moment of actual enlightenment, is that true freedom and eternity is through death. And it's through death that they'll actually be reunited and live together forever. And so he sees his death at the end as something joyous rather than something to fear or fight against. As she said, death as an act of creation. Right. Yeah. And the road to awe. So I actually do see it as like a kind of optimistic meditation on death. Some people could see it as hokey or, or whatever. And it's combining like a lot of Eastern religion with uh, Western religion. And the imagery is pretty overt and in your face. But for some reason, it works for me, even though it's really on the nose. Even the stuff in present day is kind of, oh, they just happen to find this serum that reverses aging and all this stuff. It's a little <laughs> hokey. It's a little corny. But yeah, it's just filmed so well. And Hugh Jackman is so surprisingly for me at the time when I first saw it so Man. good. He put a lot into it, Hugh Jackman. For mm. example, for the last part, for the spaceman traveling Odyssey, he had to shave himself mm -hmm. completely. Mm -hmm. He also uh, did different postures for each character. Mm. The Conquistador is leaning forward to represent his mm -hmm. unstoppable force and undying dedication and loyalty to Spain and his queen. Tommy, the researcher, is hunched usually to represent mm -hmm. the weight of his research and his guilt for not spending enough time with his dying wife. And then the Space Traveler is usually standing straight and meditating. Or jumping around like it's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of the two. That's interesting that he is, even huh? thought on to that small detail. Well, maybe he was directed. We don't know. Or maybe he... it was originally supposed to be Brad Pitt. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. And Kate Blanchett. Ah, Kate yeah. Blanchett as right. uh, the easy. I'm glad it was these two. It turned out well. This is why it took seven years, because during pre-production, Pete and Aronofsky had some creative differences, and Pete left it to do Troy. That came out in 2004. Uh, which was so great. <laughs> and, uh, and the film was shut down. You know? okay. And the sets and props were actioned off. Originally, they had a budget of $75 million, And in early 2004, oh, with a smaller budget of only $35 million, <laughs> only 35 only. million, right? Uh, Aronofsky got Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weiss to play Tom and Easy. And Warner Bros. had uh, invested 20 million 
into the cancelled version and agreed to finance the new cheaper version. So that's why it took seven years, you know? Yeah, and I also, I know that he, it was originally supposed to be like longer with more special effects and kind of this more grandiose thing. And so he had to kind of slim it down. And I think it was to the advantage because this is perfect 90 minute film experience. Well, in all the visuals, as like Mir was pointing out before, I found him really good, really nice to look at. And also one thing that I noticed more, because like this is like the second time for me watching this movie, is how well they keep the colors in every scene mm. for throughout like all the time periods. Yeah. You always have those golden lights or silver. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm. Now, this was a critical and financial failure, this film. Very mixed reviews from critics. I think it has about a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of major critics didn't like it at all. And it lost money. I think it only made $15 million on that budget. I think uh, Aronofsky attributes it to the time period of when it came out and that, that it wasn't the right time culturally, at least in the United States, for a movie that was meditating on death. And I do think it's a tough sell, but then you have something like Maradentro which is praised by critics and won awards. Isn't it also because it's biographic? The Maradentro is biographic and a fountain is a fantasy creation. Maradentro is a much easier thing to swallow for the average moviegoer, I'm sure. It's just a very wow. simple. It is. No. Come on. You think that this movie is easier for the general audience than Maradentro? Oh, you mean, you mean like to understand? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Then I agree with you. No, I mean, half the people that saw this were probably like, why are they in... Why are they in these ancient... Why is it like Indiana Jones right now? <laughs> okay. What's yeah. he? What's this stupid guy doing in his karate outfit in this bubble? Um, <laughs> no, and also, I think... I remember when I first saw the trailer. I mean, the trailer is a bit misleading, as if I recall. It makes it seem like it's going to be more of an action, more stuff going on in the mind ruins, more sci-fi. You know what? When the Conquistador arrived to discover the Tree of Life on the Mayan Pyramid... There was supposed to be a huge battle between Mayans and the Spanish mm. conquistadors. However, mm. uh, the yeah. conquistador arrived only with three soldiers, and that was because of the budget cuts, right? So <laughs> he had to take away the whole huge army that the conquistador was supposed to arrive there. And there were actually 20 real Mayans who oh. were flown into the Guatemala, and Fernando Hernandez, who played the Lord of Xibalba, who mm -hmm. was the one with the flaming sword. Yeah. Only well, he could spoke English. So before oh. shooting at the Mayan pyramid, the Mayans actually blessed the set with a ritual sacrifice, which is oh. <laughs> a oh, ritual shit. sacrifice of the virgin. It just goes to show you constraints are such a good thing on art, not being able to just do whatever you want. Oh yeah. Let's have this huge, large scale battle between conquistadors and Mayans. Like it's perfect the way it is. And it's great that it turned out yeah. that way. There's just three conquistadors left. And it's, that's just so, I can't imagine the other version. I don't know. It's. Yeah. Well, because this one's so good. Now, do you guys agree with me that the future is real? Or do you think that's some kind of a dream or metaphor? Or um, I don't know what I used to think about it, but I, I, it wasn't until this viewing where I was like, oh, it's like clearly just the future. Like it's him. It's, it's just him. They like really did make this drug. They really do can like live forever now. And it would be this kind of thing of like, you'll die if you like decide to die. I thought about it differently throughout my life as I watched it. At first, I thought about it as, as a story from the past and a dream for the future. And then now I think it might be 
a reincarnation that he was the conquistador and he was the researcher and then later well, in the future he was reincarnated space traveler but the conquistador yeah. that's a i mean that's her book that she wrote we could agree on that like she wrote a book and he reads it and that's what those scenes are she's not really a reincarnation of queen isabel maybe she's remembering her past life well, I think it's pretty clear that it's just her book, but what the, the, the present and future are, are the thing that are, I think more unclear, but I, I mean, reincarnation, he has the same tattoo. He has the same memories. He's, I think it only really works if you think it's like truly him still pining over her, still tormenting himself every day with her memory. I have always thought that the, the future timeline was kind of more like metaphorical in a sense, like. Whenever he died, he like realized and we don't see it, but it didn't really happen. But now that you mentioned this, like it makes me think that's totally what the guy would do. Mm -hmm. The guy from the present, right? Like they discover the serum. He takes it because right up until the end, when he actually gets enlightened and sees for himself, then know that actually death is what's going to bring him back to her and makes it this nicer thing to do than just like torturing himself over and over he would have totally like kept on living to try and bring her back from the dead. Mm -hmm. I think that was like the next goal he set for himself. I think he believed when he got to Shibalba that it would bring her back. Exactly. But then right at the end, he's like, you know, no. But he's excited. Actually he's like, oh, I'm going like to die. The, he gets it then. I'm going to die. Yeah. yeah. And we get into the Buddhist motif in the future. And of course, the foundations of Buddhism are that all life is suffering. And enlightenment and death are a cessation of suffering and to free yourself from attachments in life. So even though he's dressed in that manner and there's a lot of the Buddhist symbolism, he hasn't actually embraced the ideals of Buddhism until the end. And that's when he reaches enlightenment. Mm. He's floating around in the mandala stuff. Very cool effect. It's just that he's actually been kept, he's kept himself away from her for longer than necessary if he would have just accepted life and death with this movie you can chew it all all day long and arrive at different conclusions different motifs also i think she's really great in the movie too rachel vice because playing that part it's very easy to play that part the wrong way and to make that kind of, at least for me i maybe i get more annoyed than people <laughs> do easily but that kind of dying person who's gets it now for me that can feel like very easily go wrong i very much liked her as the queen she used her just like a small conversation voice and then suddenly she raised it for example when the conquistador discussed the myths with the priest when he told her that there is a tree of life and they have to find it and the conquistador said no just you dare bother us with these yarns of pagans just listen to that scene Eternal life. Spain's fate hangs at the whims of a merciless enemy. You dare taunt us with these pagan yarns? They are not yarns. No, no, our own Bible says so. Our Bible says so. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do enjoy that past timeline. It's really well done. For like the type of movie they're trying to do, it's really good. I think this is the type of movie that you either love or hate. Um, and I can understand people thinking it's kind of pretentious and over the top and grandiose and trying for more than it's able to grasp, but it just works for me. I mean, it is kind of a pretentious film, but 
it's just the tone and the color and the you know and the 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 brevity the the, the length of it is so perfect and that somehow and the theme is so universal and it's just got imagery that you just don't see in a lot of hollywood films and just you know just very interesting and it wasn't too long no. right meanwhile you know what's the message of requiem for a dream just that drugs don't are going to fuck up your life <laughs> yeah and you know yeah. it, if you don't do drugs or you're going to end up getting like you know butt fucked and lose your arm and you'll be dead yeah. and i mean you know obviously heroin's bad but it just doesn't touch a nerve with me like this film does and that one just feels so much yeah. more like a panic film from the 40s about like reefer madness like smoke weed and you're going to go crazy and stuff it just feels <laughs> Like a yeah. public service announcement, whereas this actually feels like a meditation on death and, and life yeah. and love. Put for thought. All right. I officially open the rating part. And you're first. All righty. I'm first. And I will give this 10 out of 10. Thank you. 10 out of... Wow. This is the top for me. So, yes. 10 out of 10. I went there, Kyle. Yes. Okay. Wow. 10 out of 10. <laughs> So, the vignette. Okay. Uh, well, for me, it's an eight. Mm. Well, I mean, not everything can be a ten. Tens are really hard to give away, but eight is way above average. Mm. So, what was missing for the two points? Well, because there's always better, right? You're going to always dream of something better. You reserve ten for non-existent fantasy movies. That <laughs> mm, You never know. They never know. Well, I'm going to rate this one. I'm waffling between a, I mean, I really like the film, but I'm waffling between a seven and an eight, but I I think I'm going to give the fountain an eight as well. Cause it's just one that just works for me, despite the fact that I'm quite sensitive to pretentiousness or to pretension and things like that, but it just works. So Wolverine can almost make me cry. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) All right. And that's it folks. You just heard our review of the fountain. Our average rating for this one was 7.7 out of 10. Let us know what you think on Twitter at uh, movieclub underscore pod. And we'd be really happy if you could rate us as well on your favorite podcast platform. And you can also find more movie reviews by the movie club there. You can join movie club and support us by visiting our Patreon page and subscribing to one of our membership tiers. The link's going to be in the description of the episode. Next week, we're talking about the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. So watch that and don't forget to check out the episode later. Later.